Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN, Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast with your hosts Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos and Jamie Eisner. No Jake Arians today because he is welcoming a new niece into the world today, which is very exciting. So congratulations to the family. Uh, hope everybody had a nice Thanksgiving weekend. We sure had a great slate of football because, man, oh, man, I told Jamie as we were preparing for this podcast that this was one of those times where I wanted red zone, but I also wanted to watch like three games in their entirety, right? Like I, I wanted to watch red zone, but I also wanted to watch the whole Niners-Ravens game. Yep. I also I also wanted to watch the entirety of the Eagles-Dolphins game because, oh, my God, Ryan's – like – Unbelievable throws, unbelievable throws, like even more Fitzmagic than usual. And we'll get in all these games, but man, Jamie, it was a good slate of football. It was. That's why you got to get the two TV set up. You got to have the red zone on your main TV, yeah. and you have to have like an auxiliary TV on the side that's plugged into whatever your cable or YouTube TV or however you're watching it, and uh, have just whatever that game is. Uh, that's how I, you know, I get together with a bunch of my friends. If you followed us from when we were working with FanRag Sports, a lot of the guys over there, Jesse Boric, uh, Alex Colosier. Uh, Chris Schubert, I went over there and watched with them, and they had that double TV set up where it's red zone on the main one, but on the side there's a game. Uh, but it, you know what? I was disappointed that we're, we couldn't get isolated Ravens 49ers because it honestly lived up to the hype. It was really high scoring early and then kind of backed off late, but got those big plays. But it was a really good day of football for the most part, although the late slate was left a lot to be desired. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot to say about these early games, and those late games were uh, kind of some some real snoozers. So let's get into these matchups, and then we'll preview Monday Night Football at the end of this podcast. We'll start off with the Titans and the Colts game. Titans get a victory 31-17. to a bit of a yeah, Jamie. Pat myself on I was the gonna back say right the Ryan Tannehill stuff you talked about. You talked about this game in in general. Um, you were really you were on the money here, and this is a good one for you. So, what were your takeaways? Uh, that I'm really impressed with this Titans team. Uh, if I had to pick who I think finishes as the sixth seed in the AFC, I think it's going to be. I think they have a real shot. They have a real shot to win that division. Still, I mean, I think it's going to be. You know, a dogfight between them and Houston and Indianapolis is still going to be in that picture. I think we can pretty well write Jacksonville off at this point for a number of reasons we'll get into later. Uh, but Tannehill was really, really solid yet again. 17 of 22, 182 yards, two passing touchdowns. He has multiple touchdowns in every single game as a starter. In a tough matchup, Der- tough matchup and a hamstring injury, Derrick Henry runs for 149 yards and a touchdown. And this is a guy that I have come uh, done a 180 on in the last calendar year. Yeah. Uh, somebody that I thought was always a lot more potential, a lot more sizzle than steak early in his career. People thought, uh, looked at what he could be and the physical tools that he had and projected success onto him that he didn't achieve yet. But there's some crazy stat. Like in the last uh, 16 or 17 games he's played, he has like 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns. I mean, he is an absolute monster on the ground. 
Uh, you know what? They threw Tannehill, I believe, completed a pass to nine different receivers. So nobody really had a big game. I mean, AJ Brown led everybody with three for forty-five. Uh, so nothing interesting there, fantasy-wise. But they get the Raiders next week uh, in Oakland. That's a pretty decent matchup. So yeah. you're going to still want to start your Titans again next week. You know what? And for the Colts, I think it was yeah, their running game was a lot like what I feared it was going to be against the Texans, where. It is a true timeshare with Jordan Wilkins getting a healthy dose of, of the running. I was surprised to see them go to that considering how well Jonathan Williams ran last week. I thought they would do that without before they knew what they had in him. I mean, Williams didn't look good on his eight carries, 14 yards, but really obviously hurt a lot of fantasy lineups, including mine. Yeah. Um, Zach Pascal with the breakout game when nobody expected it for 7 for 109. I'm not really buying it. The one thing I am buying is Jack Doyle. We talked about how he's going to play a bigger role in this offense with Eric Ebron on IR. He got targeted a lot early. He caught 6 for 73 in a touchdown, 11 targets in this game. He is a tight end one for the rest of the season. Yeah, somebody to definitely pay attention to. I know he was available in one of my leagues on the waiver wires, and I picked him up as a guy that I want to have moving forward. And I picked him up in the league where I usually start Greg Olson, and Greg Olson took a a tough hit and a bad concussion in that game. Uh, so it ended up being a, a really valuable play to roll into the postseason now with two tight ends and probably obviously sitting Greg Olson as I move forward. All right, the matchup that we were all looking forward to, right? The Baltimore Ravens, the San Francisco 49ers, what some people are projecting out and including myself as wow, what a fun Super Bowl this would be, right? These two teams, two incredibly coached teams, right? That's the first thing I want to want to just mention is Kyle Shanahan going on the road to Baltimore, tough environment, putting his team in a position to win. This team is is incredibly well coached. And so is the team on the other side of the football. And it lived up to the hype in in kind of a different way. We didn't have this game didn't end 45 to 40, but this is what an NFL game should be. 20 to 17 final score and good lord for the brand, the kickers Justin Tucker at the end. Was there ever a doubt, Jamie? Did you did not with him? I, I looked in and I go, just okay, good luck. You can't ice this guy. He's he's unbelievable. It's so funny. This looked like this was going to be a track meet to start, despite the weather, because it's fourteen fourteen. You're midway through the second quarter. It's just like okay, yeah, they're, here we go. These teams are just going to start rolling, and uh, then they really calm down from there. Uh, the big Raheem Mostert game. I think that's the big takeaway from the San Francisco side of things is that you know once Matt Breida was ruled out for this game, we knew Mostert was going to play a significant role, but. Kyle Shanahan rolled with the hot hand here. I don't think they came in saying, yeah, we're going to give him 19 carries in this game and we're going to give Tevin Coleman five. I just think this kind of happened, and he ran against a pretty strong rush defense yeah. really well, 146 yards and a touchdown on 19 carries. I think going forward, all this does is I don't think you want any part of any of these San Francisco running backs, despite the fact they're going to run the ball a ton. I think they're all flex plays, Breida, Coleman, Mostert. On a given week, they're probably all flex plays because you have no idea – there's never necessarily a rhyme or reason. They're just all having success, you know, and it's a little bit different than when his dad was running offenses where they would, he would just pull some dude off the, <laughs> off off, the off, out of the stands in the third row and give him a 1,000 yards rushing. Uh, you know, Mike Bell and Tatum Bell and Ruben Drones and those kind of guys. But, you know, there's a lot of talent there. And honestly, on a per-touch basis this season, Raheem Mostert looks looks like the best running back there. Yes, he does. Per-touch basis. But – I don't think you can rely on getting 15 to 20 touches a game from him. Uh, you know, Debo Samuel gets in the end zone. Emmanuel Sanders, okay. Like, nobody had a big game here. Kittle didn't have a big game. You know, on Baltimore side of things, you're just not going to stop Lamar Jackson. Like, he's going he's gonna to do what he's going to do on the ground. Another 100 yards on there. Only 105 yards through the air. But, again, a lot of that is some of that's the weather. And the good defense for the, from the Niners yep. as well. 
I, there's not a lot of takeaways. We've talked about how volatile both these running back situations are, even though they're extremely strong rushing teams. And really, aside from Mark Andrews, there's no other player you trust, I mean, in Baltimore's passing game. so And that's been like that for a while. Yeah, we've been talking about that for a while. And love the Mark Andrews celebration with the, with the comeback yes, on the Nick Bosa pulling the flag like Baker Mayfield did. Love to see the pettiness very strong amongst these NFL teams. Because you're talking about, guys, they didn't even... These are years past. Like, this is stuff that happened way long ago, and it doesn't matter. It is that rivalry in college football never goes away. Love to see that blending into the NFL. All right, Jamie, I recall – I think I recall you picking this game right as well, and that is that you picked Cincinnati to potentially at least cover the spread, I know, and maybe you picked Yeah, I thought they would win this game. You thought they would win this game, and that's because we got another – we talked about the home versus road Sam Darnold. Uh, 48 pass attempts in this game, but 28 for 48, a really, a really tough game. Didn't throw for a touchdown. A lot of people disappointed because he was having quite a few good games in a row, uh, with, from a fantasy perspective, but Cincinnati gets off the schneid. They get their first win of the year. They're now officially one in 11. And I think we can say that we knew that Andy Dalton was the better quarterback. Yeah. Let's start with the Jets for a second, because look, Sam Darnold didn't have a horrible, I mean, it was a bad game for fantasy purposes. He yes. had a horrible real life game. It wasn't good by any means, but I don't know what this game plan was. You throw the ball 48 times, you run 15 design runs. 15 against arguably, if not the worst rushing defense in the NFL. I have no idea what Adam Gates was doing in this game. Like, this team didn't get out of hand early. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to look at what the what it was at half. Yeah, I mean, it was 17-6 at no, halftime. No, it was never out of reach. They were up 3 nothing. It was 7-3, then 17-6. I mean, like, you could run the football. They never did. They gave Le'Veon Bell 10 carries in this game. I, I don't understand what this game plan was, but this is part of my concern with the Jets is they, they don't run the ball effectively. Sometimes they just absolutely just choose not to. Maybe they could have, but we have no idea because they didn't even try in this game. Darnold's not as good on the road as he is at home, but he did turn the ball over in this game. So that's usually been his big issue on the road is that he turns the ball over a couple times. Robbie Anderson has a good, you know, has a 7-4-0-1. He's been playing a lot better lately, but... The reason I thought the Bengals would win this game is, A, Andy Dalton is a better quarterback than people give him credit for. I know he was playing not that great the last few weeks before he got benched. I understand that. But he's a very competent NFL quarterback. Joe Mixon's a competent running back. It was a tough matchup for him, and it showed. He only had 2.3 yards of carry, but he got in the end zone, so it was okay. But what bringing Andy Dalton back was going to do was going to revive the offense. It was going to bring Tyler Boyd back to where he should have been. It was going to bring Auden Tate back, who I talked about, who had four for 66 and led them in receiving. It just gave them, gave them more opportunities to succeed on offense, where Ryan Finley just absolutely was not giving them those opportunities. And they took it. And the reality was, if this was going to be a close game, which is what I thought all along, Cincinnati was going to have that extra motivation. They do not want to go winless. No, that they is did a not. stain on your career. Like nobody's business. It's very tough to get over that. So when they saw that and they had a chance and they're at home, they took their opportunity and good for them. And I will think that this may be their only win of the year, right? You're looking Could over – might be the only one. Depends on what they do, obviously, moving forward. But you have Miami winning a couple games. You got to – like, there, there's going to be an opportunity for all these teams well, to end up being, you know, two or three win teams and still be that top overall pick. So they got the Browns twice. They both their games to the Browns coming up. They have the Patriots in Week 15 at home. 
Uh, and then they have the game that should be flexed to Sunday Night Football in Week 16 at Miami. The Toilet Bowl cannot wait. That, that, by the way, that's going to be a fun game. It's going to be an epic uh, game. People always underestimate two really bad teams playing each Can't other. Wait. They're always, ex- almost always exciting games. Cannot wait. Honestly, it was going to be the tank for Tua Bowl, and that obviously changed because of a lot of a uh, lot of things that Bur- have happened. Bur- burrow for Burrow. Bur- I yeah, know. I don't. I, I don't sure. know what we're going to call Blow it. Blow for Burrow. I yeah, don't know. We'll- gonna, <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I, I think there's other bad kind connotations. Of, yeah, that we'll there. Uh, we'll figure out what it is. Uh, we'll come up with some fun name for that end of the season matchup. But yeah, it's definitely for Joe Burrow because yeah. Homie is putting up big numbers each yeah. and every week. And the best thing I saw on social media all weekend was him coming out in a Burra jersey. That's so good. With yeah. it just going full New Orleans. And it was probably the greatest video that was ever on social because it was filmed in some cinematic way that I was like, who filmed this? It was so like, good. Is this Martin Scorsese that's following him from behind? Because I can't. I was like, what did he film this on? Is this he or she? Like, who filmed this? And and how did they follow them so well? I, I was blown away. And if you haven't seen it, you should go watch it. Because I don't know. It's just, it's a very well done video and very cool just to see that moment with Joe Burrow and the whole team. All right. The game of the weekend that surprised me a little bit here. It surprised me, but it didn't because Pittsburgh takes care of games. It doesn't matter if you are starting a guy off the street or Mike Tomlin called me yesterday to be starting quarterback of this following week. He is putting up like the fact that this team is seven and five and in a playoff position when you they, are have no talk, they literally have nobody. James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, they obviously Antonio Brown left in the offseason. They're on a guy who was on the practice squad yes. who is now starting quarterback for them. The backup center now because the center. starting center got I mean, suspended. I mean, you're talking about half of their position players gone, not not in position. And oh, by the way, the fourth guy that was supposed to start from a quarterback perspective. It's incredible. It's it really coach is. of the year territory, honestly, because I'm so impressed with what's happening with Pittsburgh. And it's not like when Roethlisberger went down, they were like five and zero or something. You no, just they were kind of, terrible. This, this isn't a Saint situation per se, where you're, you're still in a good spot. You were trying to survive with Bridgewater. Now they obviously did more than survive with Bridgewater, but this this is this has been remarkable for them. And, and I don't know if I'm going to actually pick them to make the playoffs. I still think again we have the Tennessees of the world. Houston, if again, if they swap spots, depending on how the division goes. There's some other teams around there that I think it's still going to be a difficult path. But they're in that spot. They're right in the mix at 7-5. And five. and it and it, it just – I understand more than likely and, and deservingly so, John Harbaugh will most likely win coach of the year for yes. all of the effort that was put into what is the Lamar Jackson Kyle offense. Shanahan's going to get a lot of – And Kyle I mean, Shanahan deserves yeah. – I think either one of those guys – but I just – Mike Tomlin should get credit because what he is doing with what he has is incredible. And on the flip side, the most talented version of the Cleveland Browns that we've ever seen roster-wise. This is why we warned you guys in the offseason, coaching matters. Yeah. The organizations that know how to win, it matters. Because guess what? The Cleveland Browns are a million times more talented than what the Pittsburgh Steelers are putting out on Sundays right now. At least on offense. 100%. It's not close. And and they lost this football game when when we well know they needed this victory. They needed it, and they are now 5-7 and and going to be looking out when the postseason comes. So I patted my back on the Tennessee one. I'll have to eat some crow on this one because I this is the second time that I've trusted the Browns with a lock of the week and they failed me. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't that I didn't believe that Pittsburgh could win this game. They're at home. They're the Steelers. They can always win. I just thought, you know what, this is the opportunity that the Browns have. Maybe they're feeling a little bit 
You know, I don't know how they feel in the locker room about what happened a couple weeks ago, but maybe internally they feel a little bit more like they got a raw deal or something. I don't know. I don't know. what that, They obviously can't come out and say that publicly. They understand sure. where the public side of, of, the, of the opinion ranks there. But I thought they would be extra motivated there. They would know that we have a legitimate chance of making the playoffs now if we win this game. Like all of a sudden they win this game, they're a game back, and they have a really soft schedule, and they're like, oh, we have a shot at this. And now they don't. Uh Look, Benny Stell had another pretty decent game here, fantasy-wise, 16 for 63 and a touchdown on the ground there. Big day for James Washington. Uh, we found out during the game that he went duck hunting with, with Duck Hodges uh, earlier in the week, which I wish I would have known. I would have told you to start him at that point. You, that, that's some chemistry you just can't manufacture. I was forced to start him because Adam Thielen was, was, uh, is now not going to be playing in this yeah. Monday Night Football game, and we got that information early. So I was like, well, I guess i got to go with James Washington Got that little nugget during the game and said, oh, baby, oh, yeah, you're good, I'm, man. I'm good. Yeah. I am locked in here. You, you don't have that nugget and then not succeed. A uh, little spoiler for a, le- a little bit later this week, I believe tomorrow. If you listen to this, we're recording and releasing this on Monday. So if you're listening to this then or Tuesday uh, on Sports Illustrated, I have my waiver wire pickups every week. And James Washington is going to be leading the wide receiver category. He's actually been playing better lately in general. Yeah, and he's you been, and I were kind of getting back too, there. And had to come back on. Cause yeah. Because he. Depending. Well, it took a while. It took a while for him to get there. It took time. a juju injury. like, And yeah. it's going to take a pretty decent matchup against Arizona next week. I think all of that together makes him a really intriguing You should player. start me against Arizona next yes. week. Literally. Uh, and then on the Cleveland side of things, you know, Kareem Hunt is, you know, he has that catch. I mean, 5 for 19 and a touchdown in the passing game. It doesn't seem like much. But when you watch the way they use him, like, that's the other thing that's disappointing is they're using Kareem Hunt extremely well and they're still not winning. Like, they have so many pieces on that offense right now that it's just it's remarkable. Uh, Jarvis Landry, again, is the wide receiver one in Cleveland. I will say yeah. this again for the third week in a row. He's the wide receiver one. Beckham under 30 yards again. It's not going to blow up in season. It is blowing up this offseason. He'll, have, he'll be, be on the, aware. He'll be in the GQ or some magazine, non-sports yeah, stop magazine. Stop doing interviews with GQ, guys. Okay, he's gonna <laughs> do. He's gonna do an interview with some fashion magazine, and he's gonna talk shit about Baker or Freddie or both or the whole team or the whole organization. It's bound to happen. It's going to happen because we we assessed. We knew coming into the fantasy football season, and I mean we, as in Jamie, myself, and Jake that the entirety of the fantasy community was projecting, for the most part, Odell Beckham Jr. in a position that we were not comfortable with. Correct. For a lot of reasons. But mostly because we knew Freddie really well. We knew Jarvis and how well this offense went really well. And we also looked at their schedule for the first half of the season and went, eh, it's not so pretty. And it's... Man, it's turned out to be even more disastrous than we could have even predicted, Jamie. Yeah, and I think as you look at this going forward, if you're a Browns fan, you have to just kind of, as tough as it is, you write this season off and say, look, we're still going to have all these guys next year. Yep. We should have Miles Garrett for some part of the season next year because we yeah. still don't know how long. Uh, but we have all these guys next year. We're likely going to have a new coach and a new offensive scheme going on next year. Let's just hope this is a sophomore slump for Baker Mayfield. This is a... These guys need to learn how to play together type situation and that if they can survive just a massive implosion in this offseason, that they still walk in next year as the second most talented team in that division and one of the five or six most talented teams in the AFC and they have a chance to make the playoffs and they can rebound from that. But they have to get over the minefield that is this offseason of everything blowing up in their face because if they blow – if this is like – Philadelphia Eagles dream team thing, which yeah. remember we made that joke of yeah. like everybody says these things and usually the winner champions of the offseason don't do not do shit when the regular season gets here. Yeah. They still have a lot of talent. 
on both sides of the ball. They can still fix this next year if everybody still buys in. And if everybody puts their nose to the grindstone and says, look, we got embarrassed in 2019. That's the big we were there, embarrassed. Jamie. Yep. And are they pissed off about it and saying, you know what, we're never going to let that happen to us again? Or are they going to start pointing fingers and say, well, it's, well, it was Baker's fault. Or it was, well, Bell didn't do anything we traded for him. Oh, well, if Miles Garrett didn't try to like, – or whatever it is. If they start pointing fingers, this isn't going to work. Yeah. If they bring in another coach and they, they get on the same page and they say, you know what? We were so full of ourselves last year. We're not making that mistake again. They have a real chance to be a, a force next year. I have a very close friend who's a diehard Browns fan, and I told her there's an easy recipe to fix this disaster. I go, but there are things that need to happen. One, you need to hire Mark McCarthy. Yes. Okay? They should That's have done it last year. First, first and foremost, you need to hire a, a older coach who can, dan- who can gather this team around and humble them. I have won a Super Bowl. Walk into the Super Bowl ring and say, okay, how many of you in here have this? Thank you very much. Okay, shut up. Shut up. This is my locker room. We did it your way last year. Look what happened to you. That's exactly right. Right? John Dorsey needs to walk in and go, we tried it our way. Our way did not work. We are the Browns, but we don't want to be the Browns anymore. Okay? We want to learn how to be like the Packers or like the Steelers or like some of the more storied franchises in the NFL. And guess what? That means we can't do it our way anymore. And also, guess what that means? Baker, Odell, Jarvis, all these guys. That means you better shut your mouth in the offseason, humble yourself, put a chip on your shoulder, and come into next season with a point to prove. And that's the best version of Baker Mayfield that you can get because that's the Baker you got in college, the one that had a point to prove to the whole college football community. And if you can get that guy again, you're going to be in a really good position. But – you got to get there first. And and the first thing that happens is literally exactly what Jamie said. Hire Mike McCarthy. Have Mike McCarthy walk in with the Super Bowl ring and go, okay, any of you got one? All right, quiet now. Yep. This, this conversation's done. This is my house, and I run the rules. Yep. So we'll see how it goes in the offseason, but I anticipate that that will be something that happens. All right. If I could be the commissioner for a day, Jamie, one of the things that I would change today is that no team from the NFC East would get to play in the postseason. Okay, I would just say, listen, Dallas and Philadelphia, you're both garbage. Neither one of you deserves to be in the postseason. You both were handed an opportunity to showcase that you deserve to be there. Dallas, you laid an egg at home. Okay, Still haven't beaten anybody over 500. And Philadelphia, Oof. you went to Miami and gave up 37 points to the Miami freaking Dolphins. Go away. Yeah. I don't want to see you guys. I don't want you to sniff the postseason because so, you don't deserve it. We'll take solace in the fact that the 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 loser of the NFC West race will have a nice cushy matchup when they go on the road to face 100%. either Philadelphia or Dallas. Either whether, one, whether it's Seattle, whether it's San Francisco, uh, they'll have a nice little. I think it's gonna be Seattle in the spot. Uh, they'll have a nice little cushion. Uh, oh boy, we can have another Seattle Dallas wild card game. Well, what happened? What happened? Nothing weird happens when those two teams play. <laughs> uh, look, this this. For, uh, so from a, from a football standpoint, this is unbelievably disappointing for the Eagles. Huge disappointment. We talked about how they controlled their own destiny, which they did because they have a game with Dallas left. There's absolutely no reason, given all the motivation in the world, given the fact it was 80 freaking degrees and sunny and a day in the NFL where if you watch any of these games, you knew that was a treat yes. yesterday to have an 80-degree sunny day. You walk into Miami as the more talented team with everything to gain – and fall on your face. And you allow Ryan Fitzpatrick, and more importantly, holy hell, Devontae Parker, what a game. Monster game. What a game Monster for him. Monster game. Put the team on his back. 
But you, you let them – you let Fitzpatrick throw for 365 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, one of the most creative touchdowns of all with the, the Matt Hawk to uh, Jason Sanders play. I love that. I, that was an awesome formation. I, I love everything about that play. Uh, it was so fun. Brian Flores has this team just – Playing with, like, we talked about, you remember Jamie in past where we talked about reckless abandonment, where Deshaun Watson kind of played with that in his rookie year, where it was just like, I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to ball, and I don't care. And that's what's happening for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's what Brian Flores, and this is kind of the ideal scenario for Miami is, listen, you're going to go into the offseason feeling pretty good about yourselves. Yeah. You're not going to have have tanked. You're going to have some guys on your roster, Devontae Parker, yeah. that you're looking at and you're going, damn, I'm excited to watch that guy play football well, next how about year. A guy like Mike Giusecki, yes. who's really integrated himself in this offense the last five, six weeks or so. Another big game here, five for 79 and a touchdown is somebody that is turning into like a legitimate option for them when he was a non-factor in the passing game for the first year and a half of his career. Uh, it, it's really encouraging what they're doing in Miami. Because you love to see guys playing hard. And I've talked about this so much, and I believe in it. Again, I've been in baseball locker rooms, MLB locker rooms, NHL locker rooms. Um, I've, I haven't had a lot of experience in NFL locker rooms, but I have in college football. I truly believe in sports that, that success is a stepladder. Yeah. I truly believe in that method. And I truly believe that you have to take steps forward in order to have success, that you don't just jump from what you know a five-win team to a Super Bowl team. I don't care how much talent you add to your roster. You need to have incremental levels of success. Bottoming out to that extent that teams that we thought Miami might have bottomed out is a multi-year setback for you. Even regardless of the talent, it's a multi-year setback to get back to relevancy. This is These kind of wins are helpful because now you have a team that has some confidence in itself for the key pieces that are going to be with you next year and a team that's confident in its coaching staff. This Big deal. Next Huge year, there's not going to be any questions about Brian Flores as a coach like there would have been if they would have continued to lose all these games. Like, this is a big deal for them. Um, on the Eagles side of things, fantasy-wise, good to see Alshon Jeffrey get a big game back in his return, 9 for 137 and a touchdown. Um, you know, Zach Ertz is a little limited in this game, but he did, you know, he did get six targets, caught three of them. Dallas Goddard continues to be a strong play. Uh, J.J. Arcega Whiteside gets in the end zone. Miles Sanders gets in the end zone. They missed Jordan Howard a little bit, but yeah. Carson Wentz had actually a pretty decent game, but... You know, to throw away a 300-yard, three-touchdown game from Carson Wentz and still lose, like, I I don't know what to do with the Eagles here. Like, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I don't really think Dallas deserves it the way they've been playing, but this is a bad, bad loss for the Eagles. Like, I don't I don't know how you come back from this one. No, this is a, this is a, a must-win. When you watch Dallas lose on Thanksgiving and you have blood in the water, right, you have to go win this football game. There are no – I don't want to hear any excuse. I've seen a couple of different Philadelphia people say – well, this, well, that. No, 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 no. No, there is literally zero things that you can tell me that excuse this loss. Well, especially when you consider that Carson Wentz has been taking a lot of flack. This is not on the offense, people. He threw three touchdowns, threw through over 300 yards, and put up th- over 30 points on the road, and you lose? That's on your defense. That's on your coaching staff. That's on the game plan that came into the game. You can't let that happen. You can't let Ryan Fitzpatrick make himself look like a freaking MVP out there, throwing the ball around like a crazy man. Literally, like in Devontae Parker looks like it, like the best wide receiver in football yeah. against you guys. I mean, it's I, – I, I understand. I get it. But, like, the NFC East right now, like the whole thing, I'm just like, y'all out. Trash. You trash. I don't want to see any of you in the postseason. And hopefully the first team that we see just gets wrecked. So it just – 
just proves the point. Unfortunately, we have seen this trend, though, that the very terrible, like, four seeds tend to win a lot. I know. In the first round, they hate it. I know. It. I hate it. I hope, but, I hope it doesn't happen. But um, again, San Francisco or Seattle, which is going to be the likely number five seed, one of those two teams, I have a hard time believing those teams are going to lose. Too well coached to go into yeah. either one of those places, I think, and lose a football game. But we'll see. We got Especially still- if it's Dallas and there's really not going to be any weather concerns. Yeah. Like, then at that point, you're on an even playing field. We still got a month left of football, so we'll see. Yeah, we've it. been surprised before. One of these teams could go on a run. Like, it happens. You, and look, you, win, you win a couple games straight and you end the postseason feeling good, or you end going to the postseason feeling good about yourself. Things could change. We're starting to see the top of the league separate itself a little bit. We're starting to see the Baltimores and the San Franciscos of the world separate themselves. But I still believe this, this could be a whichever team is hotter the last three or four weeks going into the postseason has a real chance to win either one of these conferences right now. I'll say it now, and I tweeted it last night. New England lost two games in a row in the middle of December last year and then won and won the Super Bowl. So just before everyone freaks out about what happens in December, I get it. But, like, sometimes it it doesn't matter, right? Like, you just go into the postseason and you play well and things match up at home and everything, you figure things out. That's how things end up. Yeah, because the biggest thing for the Patriots is they're still two games up on a bye. Like, that's real. And there's still a game up on the Bills, and yeah, they well, have the tiebreaker right now. Yeah. So, like, that's the thing. If the, if the Patriots get to not have to play wild card weekend. Now, call, if the Patriots have to go out there and start playing, if the Patriots fall to the five seed, let's talk. Yeah, I'm here for it. But if it. the Patriots still get a buy, we're still probably not saying anything from them until the AFC Championship game, yeah, until they're actually going to be in major danger. Which is unfortunate. All right, the next game we're going to talk about here, another one that I was really surprised by. Um, and that is the Washington Redskins go into Carolina and get a victory 29-21. to Can we talk about the fact that Adrian Peterson had 99 yards rushing in this game? Like, the dude, will he ever go away? No, and, 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 and the game where Geis has and, 129. That's what I'm saying. And Darius Geis has over 100 yards. I mean, all, this is, what an incredible running game for, for in this matchup. Dwayne Haskins still doesn't throw for a passing for touchdown. Anything. But it doesn't matter because they run all over the Carolina Panthers, and I was shocked to see this, this final score. Yeah, I was watching this game pretty closely because for uh, a couple of the people I was watching this game with had the over. Uh, ah. So they were watching this game very closely. This was very quickly 14-3 Carolina. And we're like, oh, okay, here we go. Yep. We're going to get a six-point game from Washington, and you're going to need the Carolina to do it all. And they just kept running the ball. And look, you've been able to run the ball in Carolina all year. That's a problem. That's something that Ron Rivera is going to have to work on in the offseason at some point because that's really what's going to end up costing them a playoff spot down the stretch here. The uh, guys, big game. Adrian Peterson, big game. Can't really trust any pass-catching options because Dwayne Haskins is still a bad football player. Like, it yeah. is no, bad. No, he's bad. It is bad for him. You know, Carolina side of things, Kyle Allen, three total touchdowns. He's bounced back a little bit since just getting completely bottoming out over a couple weeks span there. Uh, not a big game for McCaffrey, which is a little surprising. Uh, you know, only 44 yards on the ground on 14 carries. Does get 7 for 58 in the passing game. Uh, I will continue to beat the drum for DJ Moore being a superstar again. Uh, 6 for 75 and a touchdown here. He had a really good game. But, yeah, this is one of the ones where uh, Carolina just kind of stopped playing after they got that big lead, and they kind of looked like they couldn't rev it back up. Like, they were trying. They were making efforts. They were scoring late, but they just couldn't get – they could not get it back up. They allowed what, – what was it here? 3, 6, 12, not like, – I mean, it got bad there because they didn't – because they get that rushing touchdown late. So they allowed – no, it was 26 ugly. unanswered points after going up 14 to 3 to Washington when you're at home? Yeah, I I, I was in this was a one of those losses where we talked about coming into this coming into this weekend the Ron Rivera coaching situation and and the fact that he's really coaching for his job this year. This was one of those things we talked about and this is a loss that could end up pushing the the new ownership team one way versus the other um because this is a bad loss at home. This is a this is a lo- this is a game you have to win. 
You're playing a bad football team, a bad quarterback, and you get run all over in this game. It was especially for Ron Rivera, who's a defensive guy. It was a it was yeah. not a great game to watch for them. Yeah, I mean they weren't going to make the playoffs anyway right now because the, I mean to me I'm looking at the race for the wild card spot. It's going to be the loser of the NFC East. It's going to be the loser of the NFC North, and then maybe the Rams are in that conversation, barely yeah. hanging on there. Yeah. But like that. But still, you know, it, it's a little bit tough to fire a coach with they go like nine and seven and they don't make the playoffs or, or something like that. But I, I mean, I don't, again, I don't know if they're going to find a better option, but they're going to have to figure out their quarterback situation because it's not going to be Cam Newton next year. I don't think Kyle Allen's the future there. Uh, I know they're going to give Will Greer a shot, but they don't actually have to. Like we've seen teams take players right around where they took Will Greer and they went, eh, no, we have a better option elsewhere. Yeah, and and we don't know what to expect from him yet, um, and we'll see if they decide to, to go with him moving forward. All right, the Green Bay Packers get it done 31-13. to 13. From a fantasy perspective, my big thing here, Jamie, was we talked about it, was our concern over Saquon Barkley. It was really nice to see him have a combined over 100 yards between rushing yeah. and, and, and receiving here. Um, still obviously not huge gains like we're used to, but was nice to see that. Daniel Jones throws three picks in this game. 15th I mean, fumble of the year for him, too. I, just, I 15. mean, you can't, you can't say enough about th- – this game was closed for a little while. I was watching it, and there was a, a point at which Green Bay – was in the red zone for like 12 straight plays because they just got yeah. called for so many penalties. Um, a couple of them were phantom plays, and I understand why the Giants were upset, but you you can't let Aaron Rodgers throw for four touchdowns and your your quarterback on the other side just throws three interceptions and a fumble. You're not going to win football games So a few, like thoughts and for a few thoughts for this game. One, Aaron Rodgers, give him a ton of credit because I was – I was backing off him a little bit right around game time because the weather was brutal yeah, in the Weatherlands. And it was like raining and then sleeting and then snowing. And they had like a legit blizzard for about 10, 15 minutes in that yeah. game. Didn't matter to him for 243 yards and four passing touchdowns. So give him a t- – I mean, again, it's not like it, Green Bay Packers are adverse to playing in cold weather or in bad conditions. They're aware. But usually it's not this fruitful for the passing game. Uh, big game for Devontae Adams. You know, Alan Lazard got that play where – I don't know if you, if you had saw his touchdown catch, but he's running. I believe it was on Antoine Bethay, and he doesn't even really make a move. Just Bethay guesses wrong. Like he goes out, he goes toward the sideline, and Lazard just kind of slowly looks inward and is just standing wide open in the end zone. It was it's a very fun route. Uh, I think someone on Twitter like quoted me and said he hit him with the slight movement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't really think there's – I mean, Lazard has been a decent option for him, but there's no fantasy relevance there going forward. Um, Aaron Jones owners have to be worried. I, I get it. Like, look, the timeshare isn't the concern because you knew this was going to be the case, and I've, we've been telling you this, and so was Matt LaFleur for the whole season. But he doesn't look really effective right now. He's going to need to have a heavy role in the passing game in order for the pack – for him to be an RB1, high-end RB2 territory. He still has a chance to be that, but I understand why people are concerned. Uh, the Buccaneers take care of business. I'm sad Jake's not here to talk about this one because they, they took care of business and they took care of it early. 28-11 to 11 final score. They send Nick Foles to the bench in this game. Uh, listen, the my my fantasy takeaway here is the O.J. Howard game. I, I just – I was like – The Brashad Perriman game. Brashad Perriman game. Like – Peyton Barber has two rushing touchdowns, but only 44 yards. Like I'm, I'm looking, honestly, I'm looking at the box score and it's like every receiver has about five receptions. They all average between 12 and 15 uh, yards. They all were between 50 and 80 yards. Like yep. nobody, it was just, it was kind of like spread out throughout the entirety of the offense. And that means you're probably all pissed off as fantasy owners, yeah. especially because Ronald Jones didn't get the ball. In the it was a very, very solid all around game. Yep. Tampa Bay from, so it didn't lead to a lot of great fantasy days. 
Uh, you know, Bruce Arians talked after the game about uh, Vinyl Jones not picking up a blitz, and that's why he didn't play late. And I saw there were a lot of people that were very critical of that. Uh, he, here's the thing, and here's when, and, and some people have been talking about, like, why isn't, you know, Daria Gumbawale and Peyton Barber, who have also missed those opportunities at times this year, not held to the same standard? It's my belief. I don't have any inside information. I didn't talk to Bruce. But but my my evaluation of why he does this based on just watching him for all these years and conversations I've had with you and Jake, he sees a long-term future for Ronald Jones 100%. in his offense. That doesn't necessarily – I mean, look, Daria Gumbawale plays a, a significant role for them, but that, that's not a long-term piece. You could – I hate to say this, but you could find those types of third down pass catching backs. They're, I wouldn't say a dime a dozen that are quality, but they're kind of a dime a dozen these days. He sees something in Ronald Jones, and he's the one that's got the long term future. He's the second round pick that has a couple more years left on his deal. I think he's trying to send a message to him. I think he's trying to say, look, dude, you need to be an all around back if you want to play in my offense, a lot like what happened with David Johnson. You need to be able to do a lot of different things well. And, and this is, again, somebody that had the rookie year that he had doesn't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. I'm telling you because I know Bruce well, and I know how he is. And I know that he – let me tell you one thing that he does not do. He does not play mind games with players. Players always know exactly where they stand and exactly what the expectations are. You can talk to any player that's ever played for Bruce, whether he was the receiving coach, offensive coordinator, head coach, assistant to the head coach, doesn't matter. They always know exactly where they stand. And I can tell you, Ronald Jones knows exactly what he's supposed to be doing, and he knows exactly what the consequences are. And that is why this is happening, because Bruce's expectations for Ronald Jones are higher than the other guys, as they should be, because he is the more talented guy. So when he goes out there and doesn't do what he's supposed to do, it is a trickle effect, people. When you don't go do the little things, the details, it matters. It's what makes guys like Bill Belichick the best at what they do because everybody on the team is expected to do the little things. And that's what's happening with Ronald Jones. And guess what? He's either going to learn or he's not. And if you're a Bucks fan, you better hope he picks up on it now because I'm telling you, they will, you you can't not be able to do these things. Nobody is above doing the little stuff. You're not an all-star, man. You, yeah. you can be, but you got to do the little stuff, and that's what it is. So it's disappointing from a fantasy perspective. Of I played him in a lot of DFS lineups, yeah, and a lot of, of people course. did. Uh, you know, six for eight yards was not great, but Peyton Barber got his job done there. On the Jacksonville side of things, I mean, Nick Foles has been bad. Uh, bad. He's he's really he's been bad. bad. He's been. He's actually he was okay fantasy wise last couple games even though he was bad real life and he was just bottomed out here. Uh, who could have foreseen this being a bad contract? I don't know everybody. Uh, I was surprised. I'm not surprised Fournette didn't run well, but we told you what he was going to do. He's going to get you about eight nine catches. They did here nine for fifty three. Um, nothing for DJ Chark in this game, which was surprising. But I think it was more of the the QB situation being a mess. D.D. Westbrook, 5 for 60 and a touchdown. Chris Conley had a decent game. Chris Conley had a Chris Conley game, 4 yeah. for 57. Like, that's that's what you're going to get from him every week. Yep. Um, I'd imagine they're going back to Gardner Minshew this coming week. I would assume so as well. Uh, I think the Nick Foles experiment for right now, they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do with him. Obviously, that contract is what it is, but they're going to have to either get him right or mentally figure out what they're going to do moving forward because that is uh, he did not play well in this game at all. All right, the the game that I was looking forward to that I thankfully did not go to because it was an ass whooping. And when we talked about coaching matter, right, and and coming out of buys, Cliff, you didn't pass the test here, brother. 
you had a bye, and we expected you to come out at home against a team that was licking its wounds and take care of business. And dear God, the offense looked atrocious. The defense looked terrible. The whole team, this was a game like last year. This is what the uh, this is what the Arizona Cardinals looked like last year, and this is what you had kind of seen go away this season. And this was a big step backwards for this team, who was co- feeling feeling pretty good about themselves, came off a bye, and just laid a complete egg. Let Jared Goff throw for four hundred and twenty four yards, guys. This isn't Jared Goff of last year. This guy hasn't been able to throw on anybody. Yeah. He threw so much that we saw Blake Bortles come in and throw for three yards in this game. Right? Like yeah. it was like it's. It was it was a bad game. You saw Todd Gurley close to 100 yards in this game. Robert Woods had 172 yeah. yards. 13 like, ca- catches. Oh my in this god! Game. I mean, 19 targets for Robert just Woods. everybody ate. Tyler yeah. Higby, 107 and yards. And if you listen to the show, that was a guy that we talked about how I really liked Tyler Higby going into the week. Obviously, tight ends destroy Arizona. And then once yes. we found out that Jared Everett was rolled out, we like, like, he became roll, a must-start. Yep. Uh, someone interesting to watch because the Seahawks they play them next week. The Seahawks haven't been that great against tight ends either. Uh, and even if Everett's back, I, I mentioned on the show Friday that Higby's out, not including this last game, obviously, but Everett didn't play. He's out-snapped Everett for the last six games. Like, they are using both guys. If you remember earlier in the year, they were leaning heavily on Tyler Higby. So someone that might actually be more than just a one-week fill-in for you, maybe a two-week fill-in with the Seahawks on tap next week. Cup gets in the end zone as well. Gurley near 100 yards. For the Cardinals, it's all bad. It, it's it's bad it everywhere. Bad. Like, for sure, an okay game, 6 for 56. Everybody else was terrible. Um, I don't want any – Edmonds didn't get a touch in this game, but, like, everybody was bad. David Johnson didn't look good. Kenya Drake didn't look good. Kyler Murray didn't look good. I mean, this was just to throw this game completely away. But I was – I mean, good for the Rams. This is what they should have been doing all season long. This is what teams are – good teams are supposed to do. They're supposed to pay inferior teams and blow them out like Baltimore's been doing for most of the year and even San Francisco at times. But save the Rams' season because they're still, they're still alive. It's going to be a tough path for them. But yeah. It's They're still alive right now. Still, still alive, and they took care of a Arizona Cardinals team. And wow, I was wrong on what I expected yeah. to happen Oof. in that one. Listen, as we talked about, the early games were awesome. The afternoon games, for the most part, two blowouts back to back here. The Kansas City Chiefs absolutely annihilated forty to nine final score. And, and like, like, nobody had a good game. No, because the defense scored a couple of touchdowns, right? Like, yeah. the defense played well in this game. Like, yeah, call me if you thought the Kansas City Chiefs were defense was going to be a good fantasy play this week. Like, they, I mean, eight and four Kansas City Chiefs, they get it done at home. The big, my big from a football perspective, Jamie, is I know, and I, I brought it up on the show on Friday, Mike Florio, and I know he's a hot take guy, but he's not the only one has been in this conversation of like, Whoa, Lamar Jackson, greater sign, Patrick Mahomes, blah, blah, blah. Patrick Mahomes hasn't been healthy with his full set of weapons yet this year. There was a moment where he rushed for a touchdown, and he looked really good. And I said, you better watch out in the AFC, because if he starts feeling himself and he starts playing kind of under the radar a little bit because of what's going on in Baltimore, this is a team that could, could could really start going because they haven't hit their stride yet. And this was a moment where I looked and said, Hmm. This team is still going to be a tough out. So, and, and I can't, I, I can't say this any more plainly. I absolutely love Lamar Jackson. Yes, he is the same. most fun player in the NFL 100%. right now to watch. I would take Patrick Mahomes if I'm starting my franchise over Lamar Jackson every time. Yes, and I don't Lamar think it's J- I don't, now again, I don't have to go. There's not many more names I would list before I get to Lamar Jackson. But it's definitely. But Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes is clearly a, the number one player in the NFL. If I'm starting a franchise today, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes. We sometimes like to forget 
we like to get recency so caught bias. up. Yeah, recency. We get so caught up with the new shiny toy of whatever it is any given year that we sometimes we, we push aside given talent that we already know. Patrick Holmes is still the best quarterback in football, and to me, period, end of story. He's a player I'm starting my franchise with, number one overall pick, period, end of story. And I don't even I don't even have any second thoughts about it. There's not even something in my mind. As good as Lamar Jackson is, it's still Patrick Mahomes. It's usually going to be interesting because they're going to have to play on the first weekend. They're going to play at home. Either going to be the three or four seed. Maybe so they're going to get maybe Buffalo or Pittsburgh or Tennessee. They could get Oakland again or, or, or Indianapolis. But to me, I look at this Oakland team now that kind of fallen back down to earth a little bit these last couple weeks. Get destroyed by the Jets. Getting destroyed by Kansas City. Yeah, they're not making the postseason. No, but they've taken a step forward this year. But they're still not quite ready. Because look, look at the company that they're in right now. Of all these teams that were within one game of that, either in the final wild card spot or within one game, the Steelers, the Titans, the Raiders, the Colts. I feel confident in all three of those other teams over the Raiders, just based on what their talent level is and based on their history than I do for what the Raiders had in this game. Uh, as I, as we warned you that I had Tyler Williams outside my top 40 wide receivers, does absolutely nothing in this game. They even get, they got one catch finally toward the end of this game. Waller had a big game. Josh Jacobs looks great. Like he's, yeah, he's a, he did have a good game. He's an RB, a low-end RB1 going forward. Kansas City's running back situation is a mess. Uh, Darrell Williams left this game with a non-contact injury, so we're not sure what his situation is. We're not sure if Damian Williams will be back from his rib injury next week. We saw a little bit of Darwin Thompson. I don't think Darwin Thompson's a must-add. I, I know he was such a sexy name in the preseason where everybody was just, again, what you want to happen versus what actually is going to happen. They wanted Darwin Thompson to be a bigger part of the offense. Uh, it does get in the end zone here, but... We'll see. Uh, I still think Kansas City's lack of an established running game is going to be what keeps them from winning the Super Bowl this year because, again, now they have too many deficient areas on their team, and this is something that they're going to have to address in the draft. Yeah. They're going to have to do it because that, that they miss – I they, they made the right decision. But they missed but they Kareem, miss Kareem Hunt, Hunt from a football 100%. perspective. They had to do what they had to do, and I applaud them for, making, for cutting him when they did. But they still, from a pure football perspective, they absolutely miss what he brings to this offense. They've never – recuperated from like where they were when his when the offense was humming yes. at its best version Mahomes was able to do everything at his disposal because he had a solid running game and they haven't had that since and if that team's going to get to the level it was last year and Mahomes is going to put up the MVP numbers that we saw last year his arms there his legs are there the t- the weapons are there Minus the running game. Yep. So they better figure that out because it's not going to happen now between now and the end of this postseason. But they have to figure it out this offseason. It's the number one need for this team offensively as you continue to look around. All right, the Denver Broncos and Drew Locke gets his first victory in the NFL. Uh, 23-20, a last-second McManus kick to on a on a good God. You The only thing you cannot do in this game. Okay, there's like, I think, 12 seconds left. They get the ball. Denver gets the ball back. Literally, the only thing you cannot do is get a pass interference call. That's the only thing you can't do. And that's exactly what happens. Sets them up to get a last-second field goal because the Chargers drove. They tied it up. It was 20-20, and it said, ah, we're going to go to overtime. This is going to be fun. Oh, no, 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 because they made a terrible play getting a pass interference call. And it was pass interference. I saw people getting all, you know, it was. And, and Denver gets this victory, 23-20, and the Chargers continue to find fun ways to lose, James. Yeah, and, and I said this before the show. I, I want to get a, a mini soapbox rant here. 
Uh, I'm tired of the narrative on Twitter and some other places that, oh, the Chargers are just unlucky. Nobody's as unlucky no. as the Chargers. They've lost so many. No. no. The reason they've lost so many close games is because they're not good enough. Yep. They are a significantly more talented team than the team that they just lost to in Denver. And we have talked about this in so many losses over the last two, three, four years for this Chargers team. So, no, they're not unlucky. They're not good. And they're below expectations. And they're disappointing, I should say. They're not, not that they're not good. They're talented. They're, not, they're disappointing with their talent. They're, they've done less with more. And that is why they lose these close games because they should, there never should be in these close games. You shouldn't be in a three-point game with the Denver Broncos with how much talent you have. But they are. And that's the problem. And that's something that's going to has been an issue for them for a long time, that they, they are choke artists and they play down to teams. So it's not unlucky. It's not, oh, we should feel bad for them. They need to be better. They have enough talent. Uh, Melvin Gordon had a pretty good game here, 99 yards, uh, caught two for 11 in the air. Austin Eckler continues to be a solid low-end RB2 flex play. He's going to be involved in both elements there. Keenan Allen, 6 for 68 in a touchdown. Good Keenan Allen game for him. Mike Williams was really big. and real. I mean, Mike Williams had that, that one arm oh, over the shoulder catch, catch in the fourth quarter. Unbelievable was, catch. If he could stay healthy. He's been banged up for well, three years. Yeah. Uh, but if he could ever stay healthy, he is. I mean, he's been playing hurt all year. But he's a really tough dude, tough really dude. solid player. Um, good game here for 5 for 117. Drew Locke looked okay. Like, he didn't look great, didn't look bad, looked okay. He looks Better fine. Better than Brandon Allen, though, I'll say that. Well, yeah. I mean, because Brandon Allen's just, yeah. I mean, it's just like a creative quarterback. Pretty, it's the creative quarterback, third stringer in Madden. Like, Listen, pretty, pretty decent game for a rookie to start yeah. a seat. Like, win, Who's a been hurt? win a divisional game. Good, uh, credit, good. credit to him. Yeah. Good to see him having a little bit of chemistry with Cortland Sutton. Yeah. Four for 74. Definitely. If Cortland Sutton played with a top 15 quarterback, he would be talked about like a star. He's one of those guys. He's QB proof. That's what he's like. He's starting he's, to be that. He's starting to be in that like territory Alan Robinson where, light. Like, yeah, you know, like, doesn't matter like who's you could playing. throw out like Mitch Trubisky and he could still have a Blake Bortles. I mean, those yeah. are the types of guys like you're going to have average quarterback play yeah. more than likely if you stay in Denver potentially for the rest of your career. Yeah. And you could be quarterback proof because it's yes. not going to matter. I would like to see like this weird simulation where you could put guys like Allen Robinson and Cortland Sutton in just like a league average quarterback and see what they could do uh, because they're just so such talented players. Trust me, Larry Fitzgerald wondered that. Larry for a long Fitzgerald, time. yeah, I, I mean that that's perfect example of that. Uh, so, but again, Philip Lindsay, okay, I mean, nothing special, fifty eight yards on the ground. But this is kind of what you're going to get from Denver. Like if you kind of look at this game, look at this box score. That's kind of maybe with a little bit more action for Lindsay, but that's pretty much what you should expect going forward. All right, the game of the weekend on Sunday night that ended in a surprising – listen, the last score puts it in a position where it seems like it was closer than it really was. This game was not very close throughout the entirety of the game. The Texans took care of business at home against the New England Patriots, 28-22. to They scored a last-minute touchdown, almost got an onside kick and made everything really yeah. interesting in this football game. But as I as I mentioned earlier, I, I caution everybody. I Listen, I understand – I understand that Tom Brady and this offense hasn't looked great this year. They didn't really look all that great last year, to be honest, in moments. And they sure sure as hell didn't have to do very much, if you recall, in that Super Bowl to win that football game. They didn't have to do nearly anything to win that game, okay? So I I caution everybody because they've had a lot of injuries. There was a virus, I guess, a couple of the guys were sick that didn't end up playing in this game. I, I'm telling you, New England lost two games back-to-back in the middle of December last year, and they won the Super Bowl. Before I see every stupid announcer on planet Earth, like I saw last night, is the dynasty over? Is Tom done? It's not done until they are literally out of the postseason, people. Like, that's – you cannot sit here and go, 
are are the Patriots is the Patriots dynasty over when they're currently sitting in a position to have a bye in the postseason? Like, am I the only one that remembers what happens nearly every year? They lose bad games at the end of the year. Almost every year it happens. I get it. This team does look different. I will admit this offense does look different. But until Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are not in that room, I'm not saying that the dynasty is over. You can't. Both things can be true. And I know people hate to hear like that. But the level-headed response is, yes, there are a lot of concerns with this Patriots team. Of course. I say that and I still think they're the second-best team in the AFC. You have to. So, like, to me, okay, I, I know they just lost to Houston, but Houston would have to play in New England in the postseason. I'm I want not, you to look me in the face right now and tell me you're going to take Houston on the road again in Foxborough. No chance. You're not. Kansas City has its own issues. Now, Kansas City can go into New England and win. That's a team that I think that's close. If you, if you want to argue that KC, fine, I'll give that to you. But I still have concerns about KC. Yeah. So, KC has a lot of warts as well. I've, we've been saying for two or three weeks now we thought Baltimore was the best team in the AFC. Yeah. And, and I, I continue to believe that. But I think New England is number two. So, uh, no, I'm not ready to jump off of this this bandwagon yet. That doesn't mean they don't have concerns. Their offense is a problem. Like, they need to fix things. Both things can be true. Like I said, I can still believe in the Patriots while also simultaneously saying I think they have some issues. But I've said that before. Last year, I I think we called it the worst roster they've ever won a Super Bowl with. Yeah. I I mean, this isn't something that hasn't happened before, people. Look, James White had a monster game here. Yes, he did. Which is is single-handedly looks like he's going to improve my playoff position in one of my big leagues from the sixth seed to the fourth seed just by his performance there. Uh, Look – they're going to have to find a consistent running game. I know Michelle looked good. Uh, uh, Michelle, excuse me, White looked good on the ground too, as well as the. I mean, eight for ninety-eight, two touchdowns in the air. I mean, it was the it was the James White game. Michelle looks terrible. Like he looks so bad. bad. And they're not going to him a lot. And again, they could flip a switch like they did last year, and then all of a sudden he's rushing for hundred yards every postseason game, like they did. But they need something on the ground. That's a big. I mean, look, the offensive line deteriorating and having literally no running game is really what is basically shining a spotlight on some of the deficiencies that Tom Brady has at this point in his career. He still has enough to get the job done, but he doesn't have the pieces around him now, so some of the flaws are becoming a little bit more evident. They still have issues they have to work with. On Houston's side of thing, that's a big win for them. They're in a dogfight for that division. Like, yep. they're, they're, there's a huge win. They have a very like window here where they can be anywhere from the three seed to maybe even missing the playoffs. Like it's not that far. No, it's one game. Yeah. So the, this is going to be a huge deal for them going forward. Whether they host a playoff game or whether they're sitting at home watching the playoffs. Uh, you know, New Hopkins five for sixty four. I mean, Duke Johnson has a pretty big game in the passing game. Stills catches a touchdown. Darren Fells catches a touchdown. They're going to have to run the ball a little bit more effectively than they have the last couple of weeks. Carlos Hyde did not have a good game. You should be able to run better on the Patriots than they did, but they got the job done. Big game for Deshaun Watson. Good for the Texans, but I am with you. Uh, I'm not ready to declare the Patriots dynasty dead. I still think, as of this moment, given their record, given the fact that teams are going to have to come into New England, they are the second-best team in the AFC. You have to understand that everybody is just so thirsty for this to be over. So and I, I, and, I and I am too. But, I get it. I'm in the same boat. But I also know that – Bill Belichick is the greatest coach we have ever seen in the history of the NFL. And there's still an extremely talented defense. And Tom Brady's still, still alive. Tom Brady. <laughs> like, they, come on. I mean, they still have enough pieces to get the job done. Yes, I know I, I know Antonio Brown's tweeting crap throughout the game. Like, he's not coming back to the Patriots. No, Stop it. No. But, look, they, they are a little weapons deficient. The offensive yes. line isn't as good as they need to be. They can't run the ball effectively. Need Those more are all Sanu, issues. right? I, I thought yes. we'd see in more. one game. Yeah. Like, They're the ones to do game. You, but, we need, like, from an offensive perspective, they he's a really, really talented wide receiver. Need yes. more from Sanu. Need him to step up. Need that need that running game to 
to materialize and to get comfortable other than James White, right? Yeah. There needs to be some level of whether it's Rex Burkhead a little bit more or whoever. Sony Michelle is just I don't think it's a thing, guys. Like I I I just think it's over. Yeah, I was so worried about him getting hurt this year. I just didn't account for him just not being effective. Yeah, like, he's just not been effective. And I, I get it. I understand. Like I said, I am thirsty for the end of this regime as well. But you cannot, with this team at, what are they, 10 and 2? 10 and 2. Like, I'm sorry. They're two but games up on a bye. Like, I mean, come on. They're yeah. not 7 and 5. They're 10 yes. and 2. This team is uh, uh, on a bye right now. That's yes. what's going to happen. Like, like I and said, they're going to play in Foxborough. Oh, by the yes. way. Yes, like I said to you before the show, or maybe since it's on the show, it's all running together now. If they fu- if they start losing and they lose to the Bills again or whatever, and then they're a five seed, we'll talk. 100%. Because at that point, I think this team having to go on the road and play three games in the Super Bowl ain't happening. Trust me, I am happy to have that conversation. Right now, they are tied with the Ravens at the top of the AFC yes. at 10-2. The Ravens obviously own the tiebreaker. So if we get to that point, and the Baltimore Ravens have to go on the road, or the New England Patriots have to go on the road, and they have to play Baltimore in Baltimore. I'm going to pick Baltimore in that I'm going to pick Baltimore in that so game. So everybody's healthy. But, but, but Jamie, we, Jamie, you pull up Baltimore's remaining schedule, and I'm going to pull up the Patriots' remaining schedule, and let's have a little prediction here of how these teams are going to end. Because I think this matters. Because this, these are the two teams right, that are going to be at the top. So let's do Baltimore. It's, it's interesting. At, at Buffalo, which is, I think, maybe the low-key game of the week next week. Yeah, that's a tough game. That's a tough game in, ball, uh, in Buffalo. Let, let's just say loss there. Let's, okay, just, loss. let's just give them a loss there. So they're even, though, even though they're a better team, but let's just say we'll give them that. Because so it makes three. things interesting on the New England side. Yep. Uh, then home against the Jets on Saturday. Thursday night. Okay, win. That is a humongous win. That's another one where they're winning by five touchdowns. So they're eleven and three. At the Browns, week sixteen, I think that's a win. Twelve and three. And then home against the Steelers, week seventeen, I think that's a win. So basically, I want to give them three and one. I think that's fair. So they're going to go thirteen and three. Yes. Okay. So this is the Patriots' remaining four. They have the Chiefs at home next week in an afternoon game. That's a tough matchup. Tough matchup. But they're at but they're at home, coming off a loss. Okay, let's give them a loss in that one. Let's let's, let's see. Let's see. Okay, because the remaining three. Are probably victories. So we're talking three one. So I think so. Bang, they play the Bengals on the road. Okay, they should win that. Win. They play the Bills at home. That's a close one. Okay, so between the Bills and Chiefs, I think they drop. I one think of they those. both go three and one. I so, think both. I think they both teams end up thirteen and three if if one of these teams doesn't slip up and the Patriots have to go on the road. The worst case scenario. Also, here, the low key interesting thing here is that Buffalo can like if they went out. Uh, hello. That's, I mean, they're not going to, but the, they play the way they play. I mean, Buffalo can make things really interesting. God, please. The captain of Buffalo number one seed. I'm going to become the biggest Buffalo Bills happen, fan but... that there is on planet Earth, other than Joe Marino. Uh, listen, things could get really interesting, but the worst case scenario the Bills here is. The the one seed. Let's do it. <laughs> the, the worst case scenario here is the Patriots win out, okay? Yeah. And they end up being 14 and 2. And Baltimore loses one game, yeah. and they got to go to Foxborough for the AFC Championship, yeah. where people go to die. Yeah, I just think New England has a way better chance of losing because they have two games to go. Huh? Maybe yep. versus Baltimore. There's fifty-fifty. Yeah. You be- Baltimore, control your own destiny. Take care of business. You're tied with them right now. You have this was a good slip up for pa- for the Patriots. You now own the tiebreaker. Go take care of business. You had you had your big victory, and they had a big loss. So that big yeah. big opportunity here for them moving forward. All right, Jamie, Monday Night Football preview tonight, a really good one. The Minnesota Vikings going on the road to play the Seattle Seahawks. The two teams at the top of the NFC wild card really, and slash the Seahawks and the 49ers are kind of right there with each other, um, and the Seahawks own that tiebreaker as of right now. They still have to play each other one more mm-hmm. game this this season. The Seahawks are the standard three-point home favorites. 
pretty evenly matched here. I think these are two really, really good football teams. The thing that stands out, obviously, Adam Thielen sitting out in this matchup. Is that going to be enough for Seattle to take care of business at home? I don't know. Actually, I'm going to go with the Vikings here, plus okay. three. I think this is going to be a really close game. I have some concerns about the Seahawks right now. I want to see how the running back situation is split up because, yes, I understand that you have to you have to punish Chris Carson for fumbling the ball every 15 seconds, but he's a significantly better yeah, running back. Run At least he's shown long-term than Rashad Penny. Now, maybe Penny's going to have another breakout performance like he did last week, but I think at some point they're having this is going to be a little bit of cutting your nose off to spite your face, but I understand why they have to do it. Uh, Tyler Lockett isn't 100% still, so I'm a little, I mean, he's going to play, but I'm a little concerned that if he's just more of a decoy again like he was last week, and maybe that's, that's overstating it, but decoy-ish like he yeah. was last week, that's going to be a concern for them. I still think the Vikings have enough weapons. You can run on, you can run on Seattle. Uh, Seattle struggles against tight ends, and Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith have been really strong with Adam Thielen out of the lineup. I think both those guys got big games. I think Dalvin Cook has a big game. Uh, you know, Stephon Diggs ha- always has a chance to have a big game. Uh, he's, he's such a boomer bust guy at this point. Uh, I think these are very evenly matched, but I like the Vikings defense more than I like Seattle's defense. I like the Vikings running game right now more than I like Seattle's running game. Uh, I think, yes, even though minus you're minus Thielen, well, Seattle has Ho- Hollister and Lockett banged up. Uh, I just think the Minnesota Vikings just a little bit better here. I know this goes against the Kirk Cousins narrative, but I'm going to take the Vikings to cover the three points spread here. Are they winning the football game, though? Yes. Okay, you're picking them to win. I am picking them to cover the spread and lose. I think this okay. is a really, really close game. I picked it when I looked at the scores and went 24-23 final score. The Seahawks get a victory in this one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised because, listen, Seattle does magical things on, on prime times. Russell Wilson has done magical things all year long. And I just think this is going to be one of those games where it's going to come down to at the end, who's the better quarterback, right? And it's going to be in that moment and you're going to go, yeah, Russell Wilson is so much better than Kirk Cousins and it's not close. And it's going to be enough, even though the other parts of the team you look at and you go, yeah, the Vikings are pretty much better at every other position. This is going to be one of those ones I think Russell Wilson steals the show. And for those that Jake's not on the show, his score prediction for this game was 28-23 Vikings. Ooh. So he continues, he continues to, to ride the Vikings to ride, train. Yeah, yeah. So he continues to ride the Vikings train. Now. Nothing will make me happier than being able to come back on Wednesday and go, Jake, are you off the train if Kirk Cousins just lays a big old uh, egg tonight? Especially part of the train. Like he's been, he's, he's he's been at the been, back of the train, right, being dragged along by the train. He's been at the the – our discussion around him and the train and the Vikings has been so many different levels this year. And I get it because that's what it's like following this football team. Uh, I have many friends who are Minnesota Vikings fans. This is going to be one of those times I think he might be, uh, I'm interested to see where he ends up off the train, dragged by the train, on the train. We'll see a big opportunity for Kirk Cousins on primetime again. Jamie, any other parting thoughts on today's pod? Just to kind of get congratulations to everybody that's going to make the playoffs. You might not know, you might be waiting until the end of tonight's game to find out, but for the most part, the fantasy playoffs are starting next week, so congratulations for those of you that have made it. Uh, for those of you that haven't made it, uh, it's hey, it happens. Yeah. Continue to make you know if there's a consolation bracket, continue to play. Yeah, uh, it's fun. I, I'm a full believer that as long as you have a game to play, you are allowed to make additions and and waiver yeah, wire sure. ads or whatever. It's competition, um, you know. But don't be weird and like don't be like those weird people that are spiteful and start dropping good players or whatever. No, like don't do don't that. Do that. But uh, congratulations, to those who made the playoffs. Uh, this is going to be – it's a really interesting time of year where a lot of – there are a lot of weather concerns. There are a lot of like rest – we're not dealing with rest concerns yet, but we might be dealing with some rest concerns later in the year. But it's a grind. This is what you play for. And good, good luck in that tournament starts now for a lot of you. For those of you that are in 14 playoffs, you might have another week of the regular season. But it's crunch time. 
my parting thoughts here are look out on social media for the inevitable wager that is going to happen between myself and Baron Davis because we match up in the first round of the postseason against each other in our 14-team league. I ended up in the second overall spot in that league. I feel pretty good. I feel pretty confident. So I already I already beat him up once. I'm hoping I can beat him up twice. So we'll uh, we'll leave it out there. We might let the fans, we might let people on social media give give some thoughts on what they want. I'm thinking he. There's a couple of different teams that I know it would really pain him to wear those jerseys. Uh, specifically, a couple of NBA teams. So I think I might have that in, involved. But if you have any creative ideas, be sure to hit me up on social media about that. Uh, Jamie, how can everybody follow you? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner. J A I M E Eisner on. Twitter. Uh, and you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. You should check out Jamie's uh, rankings every week on the draftnetwork.com. You can also check out some of his stuff on SI.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.